So Acts chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible with you, get it out. If it's on your phone, turn it on. Acts chapter 20. While you're turning there, I want to show you a couple of pictures if you look up at the screen. The first picture I'm going to show you is of one of the craziest roads in the world. It's a place called Stelvio Pass. It has 75 hairpin turns. It's in Italy, and so times, certain times of the year it's covered in snow, and so you can imagine it's like just a mess to try and drive on that. In the summer, they do this ridiculous thing where they have a bike ride where the people ride up this thing. I don't know why anyone would participate in that, but good on them, I guess. So that's one of the craziest roads in the world. Let me show you another. This is Tianmen Mountain Road. It's in China. And in a seven-mile stretch, there are 99 hairpin turns. The locals call it the gateway to heaven. I'm pretty sure it's because you're going to die if you drive on it because it's so ridiculous. You might have seen the next one. In fact, maybe you've been on this one. This is in Florida. And in Florida, there's just a freeway that just goes on and on and on and on. And it's like just on top of the ocean. Like you can't see land anywhere. It's just road in front of you, oceans to the side. Remember Arnold Schwarzenegger destroyed it in True Lies, but they rebuilt it for this picture, I guess. Did I just date myself? I did. Let me show you one more. This is the craziest road in the world. This is in Bolivia. And this road descends 10,000 feet in altitude. It starts up in the mountains and it ends in the rainforest. It's so dangerous that no matter which direction you're going, you hug the shoulder on the side of the mountain. And then if there's another car coming the other way, then you kind of figure out a way to pass by each other real carefully without one, you know, going off the edge. Like, that's nuts, right? You wouldn't want to drive on that. So you're like, why are you showing me all these pictures? The reason I'm showing you these pictures is because if you want to advance the kingdom of God, the journey's probably going to look like one of these photos. See, following Jesus is never a straight line from point A to point B. And I know they don't tell you that in the Jesus brochure. When you got the Jesus sales pitch and you signed up, they didn't tell you that life was going to look like one of these roads. But following Jesus has moments that are an extreme sport. It's an adventure. It is high altitude, don't look down, hold on for dear life kind of treachery. And yet it's a journey that's filled with peace and purpose and with joy. So we've been in this series called Kingdom Faith, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we've been talking about how we enter the kingdom of God. We talked about how we discover our kingdom assignment. Each of us has a role or a job to play in the kingdom of God. Today I want to talk about what it is to simply, day by day, to walk in faith each day until we see Jesus face to face. And the truth is, it's probably going to look like one of those crazy roads. That there's going to be moments of tremendous beauty. When we follow Jesus, there are moments of incredible beauty. There are also moments where it's like, don't look down, because it's scary. So I want to talk about what it is to each day just walk in faith day by day until we see Jesus face to face. This has a church implication for us too. Because, you know, as a church, we need to understand what this kind of faith is. Because a few months ago, we launched into this 
sort of new vision for the next five years of what we think that God has in store for Faith Church. And honestly, it's crazy. And we need faith. And we know it's going to be a wild adventure. And so how do we as a church walk each day in faith? So Acts chapter 20, we've been following the Apostle Paul. He's been all over the Middle East, the Mediterranean. He's up into Europe. He's over into parts of Asia. And he's been preaching about the kingdom of God. He's been proclaiming this message about the kingdom of God. And it's that the kingdom is, is here. The kingdom is everywhere. The kingdom is everywhere that Jesus rules with peace, purpose, and with joy. And so he's been traveling all around preaching this message. When we meet him in Acts 20, he's sort of done traveling, in part because Paul will spend many of his final years in prison, having been arrested for preaching this gospel about Jesus. It's in prison that he writes a lot of the letters that we have that we call the New Testament. But So we're going to pick up in chapter 20, we're going to pick up in this sort of transition period where he's kind of done traveling and he's about to go to Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested. But in this middle space, he's talking to some friends. He's giving them sort of final words, kind of a, a final teaching. And I think it's in this space, it's in this teaching and these words that he describes a deep faith that he has gained in the kingdom of God. The faith that he has that has allowed him to walk each day in faith with Christ. Here it is, Acts 20, starting in verse 17. It says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time that I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in, even in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And so Paul's just kind of recapping what he's been doing. He's saying, I've been preaching this message of hope, this message of forgiveness in Christ. I've been talking to you about the kingdom of God. He says, I endured opposition. Remember, people opposed me. People have been following him around trying to arrest him and oppose him and punish him. He says, don't forget that I've walked the walk. The things that I've taught you have lined up with the way that I live. Watch this. I think what he's about to say next is an example of kingdom faith. We're going to end up zooming in on these verses. Just listen. Verse 22 says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. It's kind of heavy, right? Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem. 
I don't know what's going to happen there except that I'm going to get beaten and I'm going to get thrown into jail. Oh, and by the way, my friends, you're, you're never going to see me again. Like, like, what? What is he talking about? I think what Paul is basically saying is that his journey is going to look like one of those ridiculous curvy roads. It's going to be a mess. What awaits him? Now, my question for you is, why would anyone do this? Paul's had an incredibly successful ministry. Paul's into, well into his 50s now. Like, isn't it time? Like, time to start at least thinking about slowing down, you know? Maybe getting a, a cottage somewhere on the Mediterranean. He just puts around in the garden all day long. Like, take it easy, Paul. Like, start slowing down. Why is he taking on this journey to Jerusalem where what awaits him is pain and suffering? Like, what would make someone do that? And the only logical answer that I can come up with, the only conclusion that I can draw is what we've been talking about for the last couple of months, is that Paul has developed this faith in the kingdom of God. He has developed some sort of faith in him that he believes in the kingdom of God and he wants to see the kingdom of God advance. He wants to see God's name proclaimed to the nations. It's got to be about the faith that he has and the fact that he's walking day by day in faith with Jesus. That's the only logical conclusion to draw. We'll come back to that. I want you to see a little more of the story. Jump down to verse 28. He says to the leaders in the Ephesian church, he says, so keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. And remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. I think what Paul is saying is, this thing that you're in, this desire to see the kingdom of God advance, this desire to walk with Jesus each day, to walk in faith, it's a battle. That journey, it's going to be a war. And you better expect that the enemy is coming after you. If we're going to advance the kingdom of God here at Faith Church, if we're going to advance, see the kingdom of God advance through our counseling center, if we're going to see the kingdom of God advance through our prayer ministry, if we're going to see the kingdom of God move by starting another site, if we're going to see the kingdom of God advance across the globe by reaching out to an unreached people group on the other side of the world, we better get ready. We better expect that the enemy is going to come after us. And if you and I personally want to walk with Jesus each day in faith until we see him face to face, we better expect that the enemy is going to come after us. He's going to try and interrupt us. Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
If you want to walk with Jesus each day, you better believe that Satan is going to try and mess you up, man. He's coming for you. It's part of the deal. It's going to happen. Your journey is going to look like one of those wild and crazy roads. So I ask again, why would anyone sign up for that? Let someone else advance the kingdom of God. I mean, as a church, why are we so concerned with advancing the kingdom of God? Let somebody else do it. Somebody else can start a counseling ministry. Somebody else can launch a new site. Somebody else can travel to the dark corners of the world to share Jesus. Because honestly, I kind of like this thing we got going here. I like this church. I love it here. Let somebody else do it. Like if I'm Paul, I'm not going to Jerusalem where I'm going to get beaten and I'm going to get arrested. Like if I'm Paul, I'm getting a condo in Boca. I'm going to get me a big chair and a big hat and sit on the beach. A little drink with an umbrella in it. That's my life. Why would he do this? It's got to be faith. There's no other reason except that Paul believes that the kingdom of God is here. And he has this desire to see the kingdom of God envelop everything, to take over every area of life, every arena of humanity and of this world. He, he wants to see the kingdom advance, and he believes that he has a kingdom assignment, that he has a purpose, a role in advancing the kingdom of God. It's the only thing that makes sense. Otherwise, just go quietly, Paul, into retirement. Take it easy. It's got to be about his faith. So what does that look like? Well, go back to verse 22 with me for a minute. I told you I thought these verses represent the kind of faith that it takes to advance God's kingdom. Let me read these verses again, just a few verses, and then we're going to drill into them. We're going to camp out here for just a couple minutes. Verse 22, listen. Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, underline that in your Bible, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Underline that, hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, circle, underline, highlight, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let's talk about what kind of faith that we need to see God's kingdom advance. Let's talk about the kind of faith that it takes to walk with Jesus each day. If you're a note taker, you can write a few things down. Write this down, number one, is that advancing God's kingdom means following the Holy Spirit. So Paul uses this phrase, compelled by the Spirit. The word compelled there, it literally means he's bound by the Spirit, as if he was tied up by the Spirit. And so he's saying, I have a couple choices. I can fight. I can try and fight off what the Spirit binds me with. I can fight against the Holy Spirit. Or I can choose to follow Him. I can choose to go where the Spirit leads. Now here's the tricky part about this. The Holy Spirit, unfortunately, doesn't typically put out a big flashing billboard that says, go here, come here, this is what's going to happen when you get here. It's just not how God works. More often than not, the way God does this is God gives us just enough clarity 
when we're following the Holy Spirit, He gives us just enough clarity to take the next step. Usually God doesn't give us more than that. It's just enough to take the next step. Our part is to have the faith to go that next step. Because God's usually not going to give us more than that. We don't know what's coming after that. Just here's the next step. Now that's where our faith comes in, and that's where faith grows, is when we take that step. When God gives us just enough clarity to take a step towards Him, and we take it. Now some days it's a big step. We're bold in the name of Jesus. Other days we just kind of shuffle forward, because that's all we can do. And God gives us just enough to take a step, and then when we do, over time He gives us enough to take the next step, and then he gives us a little more clarity and we take the next step and he puts something on our heart to take another step. And as we do, as we journey, our faith grows. And so Paul says the Holy Spirit is taking me to Jerusalem, but that's all he knows. He literally says, I don't know what's going to happen next. I just know I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit is leading me. Can I take that next step? So maybe, like I wonder if if lately you've thought, what's my next step? Like as I follow Jesus, as I go through life, through this journey, I want to walk with Jesus each day by faith. What's my next step? Like have you thought about that? Because every single person has a next step in following Jesus. Now maybe you're here and this Jesus thing, this church thing is new to you. Or maybe you're watching online or you're in the chapel, and it's new. So here's your next step. Your next step is just to keep coming and just to ask questions and just to learn and just to lean in. Maybe you've been around this church thing for a while, and you're, you're going, how do I go a little deeper? I, I want a little more of this. Maybe your next step is to be in a small group. So just sign up and get connected to some people in a group. Maybe your next step, maybe it's this. You've never gone public with your faith. You've never been baptized. And so your next step is to be baptized. We have a baptism coming up at the end of November, on November 24th. We have a baptism coming up. You can take the next step and be baptized. Now listen, I know that if you've never been baptized, that sounds terrifying. Like it sounds like this big ordeal and that's terrifying. But here's what's so great about God is he only asks us to take the next step right? So your next step today, if that's you, is not to be baptized. We don't have any water here today. Your next step is just to check a box on a card that says, I want to be baptized. That's all you have to do. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe you've been following Jesus for decades. You have a next step. God is not done with you. You have another step to take. And even when we've been following for Jesus for years and decades, it still works the same. God only gives us enough clarity to take the next step, and He grows our faith as we take that step. Will we lean in and follow as the Holy Spirit leads, or will we fight Him, try and fight Him off so that we can go our own way? If we want to see more of God's kingdom, if we want to see His kingdom advance in our lives and in the lives of our church, it's going to take trusting and following the Holy Spirit. The second thing that Paul says is he says, advancing God's kingdom is going to mean suffering. 
No real way around that one. I wish we could just kind of hit the fast forward button and skip past, but it's, it's part of the deal. Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem. Don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be bad. I know I'm going to prison. I know I'm going to get beaten. You remember when we started this series, God shows Paul, at Paul's conversion, he shows him all that he will have to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, Paul's journey is different than my journey or your journey. Paul's kingdom assignment is different than ours, and so his journey is different, which means his suffering is different. His suffering is going to look different than your suffering or my suffering. Paul gives us his, his suffering resume in 2 Corinthians. He says, I was whipped five times. I was beaten with rods three times. They stoned me. I was shipwrecked three times, and I spent a night floating in the ocean. Like, that's a lot of suffering. You're probably not going to endure that suffering. I'm probably not going to endure that suffering, because that's not our kingdom assignment. But we will suffer. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, he promises that you that you will suffer. It's part of the journey. Again, they left that part out of the brochure. I'm sorry, but it's part of the deal. But let me demystify the word suffering a little bit, because it's kind of a big word. It sounds scary. Your suffering, my suffering, it might just be that we have to obey when it's really hard. Our suffering might be that we take a stand for Jesus and... Our friends don't want to be friends with us anymore. Or our family pushes us away and ostracizes us. Your suffering might be that you, God calls you to, to give away a bunch of money and you'd rather keep it for yourself. Your suffering, my suffering, might simply be listening to and following a king that's not us. But if we want to live a life worth living, where we get to the end of our life and we stand before Jesus and we see him face to face, we're going to suffer, each of us. If we as a church want to reach, reach an unreached people group, we're going to suffer. If we want to break through the spiritual darkness that oppresses relationships in our community and is impacting people, we're going to suffer. It's part of the deal. Now, I know suffering sounds bad, but there's actually a couple good things about suffering. The first thing I'll tell you is that in this church, our goal is that no one suffers alone. Our heart is that no one would suffer alone. The Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. It says that we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we weep and we mourn with those who mourn. We want Faith Church to be a place where no one mourns alone and no one walks through suffering by themselves, but to know that you're part of a family. You also got to know that God allows suffering not because He's mean, but because He's gearing us up. He's growing us towards something greater. He's preparing us for something. Paul says that this momentary affliction, our suffering, is making way for the eternal weight of glory. That what we endure now is temporary, that God is building us up. And we're going to go through these crazy hairpin turns of life because here's the deal. If life was just a straight line, if this was A and this is B and it's just a straight line and you can see everything, then you don't need faith. But God goes, I want to grow faith in you. I want to grow a reliance on me in you. And so as we walk through suffering, our faith grows. 
And so just honest here, eyes wide open, this kingdom of God stuff doesn't mean smooth. It doesn't mean easy. Following Jesus does not mean perfect. Life is going to look like one of those crazy roads. You're going to suffer. But seeing the kingdom of God advance also means more peace and more purpose and more joy. Last thing, Paul says advancing the kingdom of God means changing our priorities. Listen one more time. Paul says, my only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. I feel like Paul had this picture in his mind. I wish I, wish I had this. I wish I had this faith. He has this picture in his mind of standing before God and God saying, Paul, did you finish your kingdom assignment? See, near the end of his life, he writes a letter. Paul writes a letter to his protege, Timothy. And he says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not just to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So why would anyone accept their kingdom assignment? Why would anyone be a part of advancing God's kingdom if I'm telling you it's going to be hard and there's going to be pain? Paul's telling us we're going to suffer. Why would anyone do that? What makes it worth it? Remember that road in Bolivia? People ride down it on their bikes, and when they get to the bottom, they get a T-shirt that says, I survived the death road. Is that worth a t-shirt? For Paul, what motivates him, what keeps him going, it's not some silly t-shirt. He says it's a crown. Because at the end of that journey of walking in faith with Jesus, at the end of it, we have this incredible God, this loving God who, with arms open wide, says, you fought the good fight. You finished the race. You completed the task I assigned to you. You kept the faith. And there will be a day where I stand before Jesus and where you stand before Jesus and you see him face to face. And Paul says that he will reward kingdom faith with a crown. A crown that is reserved only for his daughters and his sons. A crown of glory made for sons and daughters of the king. You know, we've been talking a lot about kingdom the last number of weeks. I think when we started the series, we said kingdom can feel like this antiquated, sort of foreign word to us. But if we think about it, it's not. We know what it means because we've each built our own little kingdom. But God invites us into his kingdom, the kingdom that he has created. And he lets us be a part of his kingdom by giving us a role, by giving us an assignment to be a part of what he is doing. And at the end of it, there's no silly t-shirt awaiting you. There's just a crown of glory that your heavenly father wants to place on you and say, you fought the good fight. You finished the race. You kept the faith. So we've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God. Come back next week because we're going to talk more about his kingdom. We're going to talk about it sort of from a new perspective. But if you haven't gotten the hint by now, we are 
we are all about the kingdom of God around here right now, and it's awesome. Pray with me. God, it is the desire of our hearts that, Father, that your kingdom would come, that it would come crashing into our world, God, that your will would be done and we would see it it and experience it being done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, we have built up our own little empires, our own little kingdoms. But you have created an everlasting kingdom, one of unending hope and joy and peace and purpose and power. God, you invite us into your kingdom. You give us an assignment. You give us a role. God, we know that life is hard and we can we can say that we know suffering is coming we can know that intellectually but God often in our hearts we don't know it until we feel it and we're walking through it God give us faith give us the kind of faith that it takes to endure suffering give us a faith that alters our priorities, not from our kingdom, but onto your kingdom, where our only aim is to complete the task that you have given us, to glorify your Son, Jesus Christ. God, it's the kind of faith that we can't just summon that. We we need your help to have that kind of kingdom faith. God, Grow that faith in us. Grant us that kind of faith that we see in in the Apostle Paul who says, I don't know what awaits me, but I know God is good and I'm willing to go. I'm willing to follow. Jesus, thank you that you modeled for us incredible faith in your Father. We love you. And we thank you that, Jesus, that you gave your life so that we could have life. It's through you we pray. Amen.